<laughs> You're now listening to the Inside Out Podcast with Jimmy Hunt. Get it. Welcome to Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. My job is simple, to improve my mental fitness through any means possible and deconstruct what works, what doesn't, and what I think may be able to help you become mentally fitter. And quite often, it leads me to some pretty interesting people, places, and stories. Today, a little bit of a story around some, around a quote that I really like. And I think this will devolve very quickly into a, I tell you this all the time, therapy session with my wife. Libby Grace. Hi, Libby Grace. Hi, Jimmy Hunt. She's, well, she wasn't supposed to know what we were talking about today, but we already recorded 10 minutes of this and I fucked up the recording and it is dead. So she now knows that we're about to talk about one of my life philosophies, my mantra, something that I aspire to rather than something that I currently embody. It's something that I think is vitally important to my mental fitness and by extension, your mental fitness. And it's a simple four-word saying, expect nothing, appreciate everything. I've mentioned this before, but one of my biggest problems is expectations. Expectations of me that I have on myself and expectations of others. And when I went on my last book tour, I had a lot of expectations. I will sell this many books. I will have this many people at my talk. I will change this many lives. And just before I left, my mentor Sally said to me, Jimmy, you're not allowed to sell one book on this tour or speak to one person. Just travel around being the eyes and the ears of the universe. I was like, what now? I mean, of course I was going to sell a book. Of course I was going to speak to a person was my book tour, for God's sake. But the idea was that it doesn't matter if I do or I do not, it will be what it will be and nothing else. And so I tried really hard to expect nothing. And I was genuinely so appreciative of so much on that tour. And it's a world of difference between expecting everything and appreciating nothing. But the only difference is in the practice, and it's up to us to make it so. And that's why a mantra is good. A mantra is just a short saying that you repeat to yourself over and over again. And I change mine all the time depending on what I'm working on. Uh, A mantra is kind of like a rep in the gym, but it's not for your body, it's for your mind. It's a small exercise of sending neurons down particular neural pathways in order to strengthen them basically how you rewire your brain. And there's an old saying that says, if you know, but you do not know. And there's this old saying that says, if you know, but you do not do, then you do not know. We can all sit here and agree that that saying is good, but if we do not enact it on a daily basis, then it's practically useless even knowing it in the first place. The proof is in the doing. There are two sides to this equation, right? You've got your expectations and your gratitude. And gratitude is a superpower and legitimately one of the greatest mental fitness tools that you could ever possess. And I will be talking about it separately 
more in depth in a different podcast, but this one is more about the first half of the saying. Expectations. As usual, nothing is binary. No one expects nothing and appreciates everything. Nor does anyone expect everything and appreciate nothing. Or somewhere on that sliding scale. If I was anything, I would typically be expect a hell of a lot and appreciate quite a bit. Basically, we've known for a long time through uh, spiritual writings, religious writings, as well as just general understandings that the less you expect, the happier you will be. And research confirms that expectations have a profound impact on happiness and that unrealistic expectations are among the most effective killjoys. When you think about it, many of our unhappiest moments are down to sloppily managed expectations of other people. Now, there's all sorts of quotes, lots of quotes, if you Google quotes on expectations, and I've got a couple for you here. And a lot of them uh, fall into the sort of first category summed up here by Sylvia Plath. If you expect nothing from somebody, you are never disappointed. Another one from Susan Sontag says, Instead of expecting all and being lowered into despair each time I get less, I expect nothing now, and occasionally I get a little, and I am more than a little happy. And the last one by Michael J. Sullivan says, when you expect nothing from the world, not the light of the sun, the wet of the water, nor the air to breathe, everything is a wonder and every moment a gift. And I really like that last one. Not the light of the sun, the wet of the water, nor the air to breathe. If we do not expect those, Everything is a wonder and every moment a gift. I put a lot of my expectations around myself. Growing up, I was a perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist now. Will always kind of be one deep down inside, but I'm trying to work on that. I always had to win everything. If it was ever I was in a sport game or a game of any description, I wanted to win. Even on the tests, I wanted to be the best. Mum and Dad still tell the story about uh, the trivial, trivial pursuit game in Waiheke at our holiday house. I literally memorized all of the cards. Just so that nobody could ever, ever beat me in that game. And I was disappointed if I ever got one question wrong in that game. And then now these days it transfers into numbers, really. How many books did I sell? How many talks did I book? What are my social media numbers? How many listeners are there to this podcast episode? And I make up these ridiculous expectations and then I fall short of them all of the time, and make myself sad through an entirely preventable thing. 
Then with the people around me, I expect too much of other people. I expect too much of my wife. I expect her to be almost omnipotent around the house of understanding what's going on. And I want her, if I know something, I think she should know that thing. And yet I've never even explained it or told her about it. I expect my friends to be checking in on me and seeing how I'm doing. I expect a lot of a lot of people and then I'm let down all the time. And so that disappointment, you can simply put that down to sloppily managed expectations. Is a lot of this ringing true for you, Libby Grace? Yeah, I think it's um, it's very valid points you're making around, in particular, the um, expectations we put on other people. I mean, we all put expectations on ourselves, and I don't know really anyone that lives up to their own expectations of self. I think that's kind of part of being a human, is that we strive for something. I think that's a beautiful thing that we do. Well, I think there's a difference there between striving for something and having the the joy of trying to achieve something compared to the disappointment of falling short of your expectations. Yeah. So I think there's a sort of a management issue in there. Yeah, I think that that falls into the category of of learning the gratitude for everything, right? Because mm. in that situation, if you expect something of yourself and you fall short, I want to, for me personally, to get to a point where if I fall short of my own expectation, I'm grateful for the process or I'm grateful for something among falling short that is pointed out to me because it's a learning experience or it's something that I didn't realize or it's an opportunity for me to go, why do I have such high expectations of myself? So there is gratitude flowing in every moment. Yeah. To be grateful for being able to observe your stupidly high expectations, therefore being able to adjust and change them for the future. Exactly. And that's kind of the work I'm doing on myself currently is setting kind of new, defining new areas for me around what what other people think of me versus how much do I love myself. And so there's these expectations on myself of, oh, I have to be a certain way in society. I have to present a certain way and people for people to love me, for people to like me. And really at the moment what I'm working down on is stripping that completely down and going, no, it doesn't matter what mm. people think of you. You have to love yourself. Yes. And so that for me is removing the expectations around how I act, how I look, how good I am at something because they're for other people. Those yeah. expectations are actually not mine. They're this world I've created of I'm only good enough if people – see this about me. I'm only enough if, if I'm achieving these things. And so those expectations for me are quite dangerous in terms of my mental fitness, because if I only strive for those and only value myself on what other people think of me, and if I'm achieving those things, I haven't given myself any love, any self-love, any self-worth. Well, I love what you're saying there, Libby Grace. You know why? <laughs> no. <laughs> because it's literally the next thing I have written in my notes here. <laughs> Uh, you picked that up perfectly. It's literally the number one step because I'm now, again, I like this podcast to be practical. Mm-hmm. And so I have a whole list of things here now, which are how to reduce expectations. Yeah, good. And my very first thing on the list 
is being able to separate your expectations from other people's mm. expectations. Yeah. Right? It's, that's and, crucial. Yeah. And then to treat yourself kindly based on that fact. It's interesting that I mean, when I look back into my youth, I thought that my parents had massively high expectations on my sport. And then I took those and then I doubled down on them and turned them into my own expectations. And then when I didn't live up to my parents' expectations, they didn't give a shit. <laughs> they, they didn't care. They still loved they you. They still loved me. That was good. But then, then I didn't live up to my own expectations and I was sad and angry about it. Mm. And so, you know, you, you knocked the nail on the head when you said to treat yourself kindly. It's so very, very important. And now when I'm looking back and talking about me at that age, it actually falls into this point, which is that we need to change our self-talk to make it as if we were speaking to a child. Mm. Our child, our child, our inner child, whatever, but just the tone needs to change. I mean, we, play, we play a lot of tennis, mm -hmm. and it's a good analogy here. When you hear the way people speak to themselves when mm. they're playing poorly at tennis. From professionals through to just people picking up a racket and having a hit. Correct. Dan Evans threw his fucking toys <laughs> in a tournament in Australia yesterday and he's a grown fucking man who should know better. You see the amount of them smashing rackets yep. and angry and then, but it's not necessarily that you're referring to. It's the hearing what they're saying, you're useless, how, how could you do that? Yeah. Like all of that kind of stuff you yeah. hear them saying, it's, yeah. it's really sad. Like even just like get the fucking ball up, Yeah, you know? Like yeah. imagine if your, oh, eight -year -old, oh, if your eight-year-old child was playing tennis and they oh. hit the ball in the net and you yelled at them, get the fucking ball up. I mean, I've, I have actually heard stuff like that. Yeah, fuck those grounds. parents. Yeah, horrible. Right. But we speak to ourselves in a way that we would never allow anybody else mm. to speak to us. Mm, well, we shouldn't We shouldn't. Allow. Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't allow. Yeah. And so when you don't meet your own um, expectations, the self-talk is ridiculously destructive. Yeah, of course. And as I was talking about with the mantra and the doing the reps in the gym for your mind, not your body, that destructive self-talk, that's reps. Mm. Everyone you do strengthens that thought pattern, Correct. strengthens those feelings, strengthens that self-belief, which is a negative self-belief. Correct. And so we need to be paying attention to our inner dialogue. You know, you got to ask the question, are you being kind to yourself or are you adding more pressure, mm. more expectations? Does your conversation focus on who you are and what you want to be or is it full of expectations of who you should be, right? Your dialogue should be yours, not shaped by other people's thoughts. 
And that is that splitting up and understanding of the difference between are these your expectations or are they other people's expectations? And you can even blow that out to are they society's Mm. expectations? Mm. I think you can also say are they your expectations or are they other people's expectations, which are expectations you've heard from that person, or are they what I think are the expectations of others, which yeah. you've constructed. Yeah, just made that made shit that up, up in your head. Oh, I think that person wants me to do this or would want that. And when it, for example, when it's tennis, you're coaching me now, which I love because you've improved my tennis game immensely. I'm a fucking good tennis coach. He's a great tennis coach. But if I'm playing poorly or whatever, if I'm playing, my your expectation of me is what you've told me. You've told me, I just want you to play well, play your best, hit your shots like this and enjoy it. But in my head, I'm thinking he wants me to win. He wants me to do this. He needs me to be that. And if I don't do that, then I've let him down. So I've constructed my own set of Jimmy's expectations, even though you've given me your explicit expectations. They're very different, but I'm never going to live up to one of them. I would probably would live up to your expectations if I believed you at face value that that's what you expect of me and hope for me. Yeah. But because I then go, oh, no, that's not good enough. I have to be doing this for him to really love me and for him to really be proud of me. So we do go through life creating our expectations of ourselves and what we believe are the expectations of other people. We make that up. It's a story a lot of the time. It's not real. Oh, yeah. And we do that in relationships. We do that in within just uh, within our communities there are a set of moral guidelines that we should have throughout our life that we should that is an expectation that you live up to that that's part of being in society also, that's, that's that's the difference between boundaries and expectations exactly, right yeah. so boundaries are kind of like the base level of which you will put up with yeah Boundaries are a form of expectation, but expectations are basically what we pile on top of that mm, boundary. They're like a wish list. Yeah, like you can uh, expect me to make you a cup of tea every night. I I shouldn't expect I, that you because shouldn't. it doesn't happen. No. But I still expect that yeah, you exactly. that you want to choose to do that. Exactly. <laughs> that's my own fucking dreamer. <laughs> that's my you world. Expect that. Whereas your boundary for this relationship may be like, he just has to treat me kindly. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And there's a difference between me with a base level of kindness as a boundary Mm -hmm. and your specific expectation of a cup of tea every night. Yeah, it's my acts of service going, oh, I wish he would, my expectation is a wish, really. I wish he would see that I would like that every night and do that for me. And if you sat here every night going, I look forward to my cup of tea. I can't wait for my cup of tea. Where's my cup of tea? Why hasn't he delivered a cup of tea? Fuck you for not bringing me a cup of tea, right? Yeah. Then you're just, and I'm just over here going, I'm watching YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Resentment. Yeah. Like seething at you. You've created this whole thing in your head. Yeah. Where you are creating your own pain yeah. for no good reason. And how is that other person expected to live up to your expectation when you haven't articulated your expectation? Yeah. And at least if you articulated your expectation 
we could debate it. Whether or not that's something you're able to do, willing yeah. to do, think I is relevant. I don't think a cup of tea every night is a realistic expectation. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's fine. That's a conversation we have. I think it really opens the scope for some some really um, really good internal, like looking inward, I guess, into where your expectations are coming from. Like we've we've talked about this and that your like we said your expectation that you put on yourself and the ones that the other people have of you are not necessarily the ones that you think they have of you. So if we're going through life and I'm rocking around going, oh God, I wish he would um, do this for me. I, I expect that he would do this for me. Why is he not doing this for me? Yet in your world, that doesn't even enter your realm. It's not even a thought process that you have. It makes a, I think it's a really good chance for you to say, where are my expectations coming from? Why do I ex- expect this of him? Why do I expect this of other people to do these things for me? Is it something I need or is it something I'm not giving myself? Or there's a whole area there that you can delve into of why am I expecting these things of people? Is it realistic? Does he even know about it? You yeah. know, Because you should have at least uh, verbally expressed your boundaries. For sure. You know, in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or things like that. So, for example, you know, if somebody, if your friend turns up late, like half an hour late to everything, you would verbally express the boundary of, hey, you being half an hour late every time we meet up, like really hurts me. It puts me out. It wastes my time. And you would express that. And then you get to talk about that and go, right, okay, sure. I think- and that's, that's fine. Whereas, whereas the expectation of, uh, of them to turn up on time, like unless it is articulated. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Like there's, yeah. just, there's lots of people that turn up late to yeah. everything. Yeah. My fucking girls this morning, Billy, who owns the tennis court, came past at eight o'clock when we started and he's like, not here yet again? <laughs> like, no, I think they would turn up on time, I'd say five to 10% of the time. Yeah. Literally five. And if I got angry <laughs> about them turning up late every time, then I'm just creating my own, my own pain. Yeah, and I think as well, what you touched on about you'd have this conversation with your friends. I kind of, I don't disagree with that. I think you should be having those conversations, but there's a lot of immature relationships out there, friendships, any kind of relationship. We're not having those honest discussions because we're too scared of offending the person or what if they, you know, it's an uncomfortable situation to bring up something that's bothering you. I agree with you. So yes, we should be articulating, hey, these are my boundaries and you're crossing them, whether it be you're being late and I feel like you're disrespecting my time. I expect you to be on time, but we don't, necessarily do that because we don't want to rock the boat and god how many of us have got so few friends really that you can afford to lose another one over a falling out about something that's kind of minor but that but what i mean is that we should have those conversations we absolutely should be having adult communicative conversations with our with every relationship we have but it's being brave enough to do that and 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 saying this is my expectation can you live up to it is that realistic for you yeah and so the, the question is, if we're not ready to have those brave uh, conversations, how many times do they turn up late 
before you alter your expectations. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so, like, I haven't had the conversation with my girls. Mm. Like, I, ha- I haven't – I take the piss out of them for turning up late. Yeah. But I haven't had an explicit conversation about it. All I've done is adjust my expectations. Yeah. They pay me from 8 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, yeah. if they don't want to actually be there at 8 o'clock, it doesn't matter. I still get paid. I feel like that comes from where is the pain happening? Is it hurting you to wait for an extra 10, 15 I minutes? I practice my serves. No, exactly. So, it's, But if it was uh, impacting you differently, yeah. I mean, it's, them being late only impacts their own time exactly. and their own money. That's fine. But once it starts impacting you then it becomes a boundary issue. Yes, but you know how I feel about people who are late. People I do. Who, people who I do. waste my time. And I think that and that's an expectation that you and I have differently. As absolutely. I, I don't agree that somebody being late necessarily is, is purposefully wasting my time and is disrespectful, whereas that's your view of things. That's, yep. that's where we differ on that. But you have, I think, got an opportunity to go well these are my expectations you be on time I feel like you're wasting my time if you're not and then you have learned to let go of that and go oh well you're actually only wasting your own time and I'm going to get some benefit by practicing my own serves for 10 minutes while I wait for you so that's a really good I think visual or a representation of you actually adjusting your expectations so that you're not feeling yeah inside all pent up and like so annoying when really it's actually oh okay I now expect them to be late. And if they're on time, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. I have the same with um, friends who are always late for me or, or doing or behaving in a way that they've, that we've discussed and they've said, Oh yeah, no, I'm really sorry that I behave that way. You know, having those awkward conversations or I'll do better in the future. Or, I promise this or, or do that. And then they don't do it. And like you said, you get to a point where it's like, when is enough enough? You either terminate the friendship or the relationship or you go, okay, now I lower my expectations now of I that person. Now I expect nothing of you. And I used to think of lowering my expectations of somebody as a negative and a bad, toxic part of a relationship. Yeah. But I now lower my expectations of you, for example, and doing the things where I've asked you repeatedly, please, can you do this? Please, can you do this? Please? And you just don't, you can't, or you won't, or whatever. It doesn't matter the reason. I've lowered my expectation of you. He's not going to do that. Even if that's something I want for him to be doing, he's not going to do that. Okay, re- lower my expectation. And when you do do that, I'm like, wow, I'm overjoyed. Yep. That's great. But I've had to change my mindset around lowering my expectation being a negative thing. Yes. It's actually just a healthier way to live. It's a bit better for you. It releases yeah. the anxiety and the stress and the annoyance and the frustration. It get, there doesn't need to be that anymore. It's like, oh, okay, he's just not that person. And then it, Becomes a point with with you and I. It's things that are super minor. They don't make or break a relationship. But there does come a point, I think, where it's something that you are lowering your expectation, lowering your expectations of this person until it goes below your boundary. Exactly. So that's where yes. you've got to be mindful of. Is like, okay, I'm still okay with this. Yep, actually, I'm fine with this. Okay, now it's affecting me in a really negative way. This is a boundary. This has to change. Exactly. And if it's not them, that's going to change. It's me. That's just it. Like the equation is basically we should lower our expectations all the way down to our boundaries. Mm -hmm. And anything from boundary and above is okay. It's great. Well, anything anything above boundary is fucking bonus. It's like, yay. Um, You got that wrong though because that was number five. 
on my uh, how to lower your expectations list. Not number two, Libby. We're Sorry. trying to do it. We're trying to do it in order. I didn't realize I was living up to your expectation exactly. of getting them in order. Um, and and that is that we have to understand that other people owe us nothing. 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 Oh, I hate that one. I hate that. That's so real. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we me- we mentioned this in another episode at another time. Yeah which was a thing between you and I. Um, and so what's the saying? Uh, I don't own you and you don't owe me anything. Correct. I do not own you. That was in terms of a relationship thing. Mm-hmm. And you do not owe me anything. Because we do things for people and then we think, well, I did that for you and so now you owe me in return. Mm. Like you can even get that to the like the most high level is like a parent, right? You're my child. Yeah. I own you. I gave birth to you. I gave birth to you. <laughs> I've housed you. I've sheltered you. I've done all of these things. And the child's like, I never fucking asked you to. Yeah. I never <laughs> I have a choice. I never asked you to bring me into this world. <laughs> yeah. I never asked you to feed me. I never asked for any of that. You did that of your own free will. And you cannot give expecting something in return. Mm. That just leads to failure and disappointment. So with other people, we can have to understand that they owe us nothing. And you literally can't expect anything from them. And that is a fair thing to say and to ask for. Now we're going to go back to number two since you jumped out of order, Libby. Sorry. And it's change your perspective. Here's a little story. You see this goblet? Asks Achan Cha, the Thai Buddhist master. For me, this glass is already broken. I enjoy it. I drink out of it. It holds my water admirably, sometimes even reflecting the sun in beautiful patterns. But when I put this glass on the shelf and the wind knocks it over or my elbow brushes it off the table and it falls to the ground and shatters, I say, of course. When I understand that the glass is already broken, every moment with it, is precious. Life is like a fragile glass. It will break sooner or later. Rather than expecting things to happen one way, enjoy them for what they are and while they last. One of the songs on my beautiful playlist that we play all the time, Libby Grace, originally done by The Streets, covered by one of my favorite humans, Raul Reynolds from Enter Shikari, is the song, Everything is Borrowed. Beautiful song. Listen to it if you get the chance. Especially the Raul Reynolds version, but basically the premise of his eloquent street poetry is that on this planet, literally, Everything you are and you have is borrowed for a specific set of time. And when you leave this planet, the only thing you will have left is love, nothing else. 
And so when you change your perspective and understand that that glass that you're drinking out of is already broken, it gives you a really, really good ability to appreciate everything right now. And expecting it to already be broken means you've already dealt with a lot of that, um, a lot of the feelings associated with that. And that's actually my number three, is pre-meditatio malorum. Pre-meditation of evils. And basically, it's a concept from Stoic philosophers, and they developed, and it's called, basically in English, negative visualization. So basically, it's sitting down and thinking of all of the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen. And then you can adjust your plan for the possibility and be pleasantly surprised when they don't happen. And then you've always got a case you know, where nothing can be done, right? And the Stoics would use it as an important practice to do something that the rest of us too often fail to do, and that is to manage our expectations. Because sometimes the only answer to what if is it will suck, but we'll be okay. And so negative visualization is a, is a tool being used by companies around the world. So for example, when they're about to launch something, they might have a meeting on the day before the launch and they say something like, the product failed. It was a dismal success. Why did this happen? A dismal failure. <laughs> not dismal success. Or might have been, even a dismal success might, might not have been a, uh, might not be what they were looking for. But you know, why didn't this work out? And you know, they'll go around the table and they'll go, well, you know, there was a, there was a, a supply chain disturbance and we couldn't get all of the stuff out to the customers. Another competitor came in and, and then they can go, oh, all right, that's why the product uh, launch failed. Maybe we should put some things in places to try and mitigate those risks. And then if it does happen, well, we can, nothing we can do about it. At least we're you know, emotionally prepared for it. Mm. It's not about catastrophizing, like everything's going to go wrong. It's about understanding what the worst case scenarios could be and then being just pleasantly surprised when they don't happen because we know that those worst case scenarios 99% of the time don't actually happen. I think my fourth one is uh, simply called never assume. Never assume that the situation will work out. Never assume that a person will make the right choice and do the right thing. Never assume that the thing is handled and you can ignore it. Like try to catch yourself when you're making assumptions and replace those thoughts. Instead, think something like, I need to wait and see how this is going to go. Because the truth is that humans are terrible predicting machines. Terrible. An assumption is really just another word for prediction. And remind yourself 
that you too are lousy at making predictions. So focus more on staying in the present that you're dealing with. And mindfulness is a a helpful practice for battling assumptions. There's another one on my list, learn to be in the moment. There are lots of books and texts around how to be present and in the moment. You know, they'll teach you meditation and mindfulness and other things. But there are also other ways. Because expectations are an illusion. They add useless pressure to everybody. And we need to recover the joy of living. Like, remember when you were a kid, you probably didn't have time for expectations. You were always busy enjoying life one minute at a time in the moment. So we need to play. We need to dance. We need to paint. We need to create simply for the joy of it. Not because you want to be a professional dancer or a professional painter or musician or whatever. The more time we can spend in the moment, whether that be through meditation or mindfulness or things like that, or through play, the less expectations we have on everything around us. You look mildly confused, Libby Grace. No, I just, I have a lot of different thoughts going on about a lot of that relating to my own life and my own perception of the world. And it's, at the moment for me, everything that's coming up in my own work is about being in this present moment. It's it's kind of, but it always has been that, no? Like, <laughs> yeah. you forget, it's a universal I lesson, forget, isn't it? sometimes I move away from the work I'm doing and I get busy with life and I throw expectations out there and I have all these disappointments and I'm dealing currently with um, prolonged variable illnesses. I've Mm. got my body, whenever something's not quite aligned and in me spiritually or um, energetically, it um, presents itself in a physical manifestation of illness, whether that be a a cold or flu or a virus or whatever. And at the moment I've got, um, some back problems going on. It's been for about a week. I don't know what it's about. I know that there's an energetic release that needs to happen about some trauma and, and that sort of thing. You know, your body holds trauma energetically. So I'm getting rid of that. But I've been putting expectations on myself of what I'm going to do this year and how I'm going to be and what I'm, what things I'm going to achieve and how, you know, how hard I'm going to work at these certain things. I've been expecting and expecting and expecting. And that's teaching me you can't do that you can't expect that of yourself okay we're gonna like pull the carpet out from under you you're gonna have to be in the moment and at the moment you can't move very well you can't do x y and z so it's bringing me back to life is about each moment it's not about the future and what you said earlier about um the companies and 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 businesses that are negative visualization. Negative. I do that naturally. I'm a warrior in, in certain situations where something's not going the way I expect it to. I start thinking worst case scenario. And I've always thought to myself that that's not a bad thing because at least I'm prepared for the worst. The key is, and you mentioned it, is to let go of that feeling. It's mm. not to carry that as, oh God, the worst is going to happen. The key is to learn how to go. 
And if the worst does happen, that's also okay. Yes. So for me, I don't think, oh God, the worst is going to happen, but I do like to prepare myself for the worst. And then I have this converse thought of, well, hang on a second. Why am I living these emotions before I need to? Mm. Like I'm using energy and, and good feeling up by living through a situation that might not present itself. Like what a waste of time. Come back into this moment. In this moment, you don't know why your back is out. I went to the physio yesterday, finally got an appointment, and she told me what was going on, and she did all these treatments, and it feels a lot better. Cool. But I had the whole week going, oh, am I going to be able to walk? Am I going to be able to play tennis? Am I going to be able to work? Am I All yeah. of these things, like, and I'm living through a negative timeline that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. I'm preemptively spending energy in a really yucky space, making me exhausted. Yeah. Like it's such a waste of time. So I've meditated this morning again, and it was again about this is the moment here, be here, focus on this, stop, stop predicting your future, stop living in the future. This is the only thing you have this one moment. Yeah. Cause you, you do catastrophize more than, more than just looking at negative visualization to be able to see it, to be able to let it go. Like, the other day we had to take you to the doctor and you were like, I'm going to have to have surgery. I'd been Googling. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I'm going to need surgery. Do we have enough money for surgery? Yeah. And he gave you a cream. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> like, but that, like, that's the world. That's where my brain goes. That's the world that, yeah, yeah. And so the negative, negative visualization isn't that catastrophizing where you stay in it. I wasn't saying I'm going to have to have surgery. I was no. like, what if? Like, these are, I'm just going through, I was just going through the motions of, okay, if that happens, can I afford this? Can I do this? What's that going to look like? So I was, in my right. mind, doing the pre-planning. Yep. I wasn't like, oh my God, everything's terrible and yeah, I'm going to yeah, die. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. I'm, I am predisposed to thinking the worst is going to happen in a situation. Um, but then when I let go of things, I feel like that's justified because- like when I let go of things and go, everything's fine. The worst does bloody happen. It's like there's Murphy's law. Yeah. Well, and like I said, there was the thing is like, you know, what if the worst does happen? Well, it'll suck, but we'll be okay. Yeah. And like, I do, I do think about that in the moments where I'm having those um, predictive thoughts of negative outcomes. I do go to myself in 10 years. Will you remember this feeling? No. In 10 months? No. Yeah. In 10 minutes? How are you going to feel? Okay. Well, in 10 minutes, I'm still going to feel yuck. In 10 weeks, are you going to, oh, no, you know what? In 10 weeks, this won't even exist anymore and I would have moved through. So that helps me get to reframing it and going, this is a now issue. Focus on the now. What is in your control now? What can you do about it now? You can't do anything. Just enjoy this moment. Yeah, and that's a classic um, psychological um, visualization technique. Will this matter in five minutes? Will it matter in five days? Will it matter in five months? Mm. Will it matter in five years? Mm. It's really helpful. Yeah. It's it's a really solid one um, because the truth is usually yes, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe no, yeah. definitely not. But I think that comes from um, life experience and wisdom. Is that in the past? Yes, I might have thought, oh my god, this is going to affect me forever, and I'm never going to never going to get over this. Yeah. But living life experiences, I've come to realize, oh well, yeah, I know for a fact that in ten months or however many days this isn't going to matter to me because yeah. I've lived through an experience similar yeah so perspective is obviously key there but 
yeah, it's definitely for me what you've been saying is is resonating about expectations. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about expectations within a relationship, whether that's a romantic partnership or familial or whatever, is that your expectations of that other person are just trying to align with the world that you want to live in. And they may, they, it might make your world look better. Like it might be that I expect things to look a certain way in the world, but that might not be realistic. So it's a, so having that opportunity to step outside yourself and go, that person's world looks different to mine. I can't put my expectations on them without discussing with them. Does this align with your worldview? And that can be any from the tiniest, tiniest things to the to the grand scheme things. But for me, an expectation on another person is really just for your own comfort. It's so that your world plays out the way you want it to. But that's not realistic when there's another person living in their own their own lived experience. I think it's a really good opportunity to look into yourself and go again. Why do where do my expectations come from? Is it because I'm feeling something lacking in myself that I'm not giving myself or is it realistic that I should expect this of other people? A lot of people expect something from other people yet don't do it themselves. So, exactly. You know, uh, quite hypocritical yeah. in their expectations and usually can't see it. Usually don't have the, yeah. don't have the self-awareness to be able to see it. And so this is actually a good self-awareness tool is to be able to check in with your expectations of others and try and see if those are actually expectations of yourself that you're not fulfilling. Yeah, that's, that's a really important point. All right, one of my last points is to stop judging. Expectations derive from being judgmental. When someone can't accept how you behave, they expect you to change. By learning to be more compassionate towards yourself, not only will you ease your own expectations, but you won't feel the need to judge others. We know life is not perfect. Removing expectations will let you appreciate your life as it is. Judgment adds frustration and negativity. Perfectionists are never happy. And I will tell you that for a fact people. When you let go of expectations, you create space to enjoy the here and now. Your life is not what should happen, but what is happening as you listen to this right now. Removing expectations doesn't mean lowering your bar, your boundaries, but it means letting go of unnecessary pressure. And that works because only when you feel relaxed and comfortable can you actually give your best. Stop judging people. Stop judging yourself. Just let those expectations go. Or at least start slowly reducing them down to the level of your boundaries. Anything else to add on expectations, Libby Grace? No, I don't think so. I think it's been a good, um, a good lesson for me and what's already been shown to me recently. 
having this chat with you. Everything always happens at the right time. So I'm getting a lot out of this podcast. So just for your uh, note taking and your number, number counting, you've helped one person today. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's why I like, don't like telling you about what we're doing in the podcast. Yeah, I know. I feel that that's cruel and unusual, but you don't let me be prepared. So whatever. I mean, I guess for me, that's actually kind of good because it means I can just have a, an honest chat with you. That's what these are for me. These podcasts that we do together, uh, you and I just hanging out and talking and it's real. So I don't know. Yeah. And that's the thing about the way the universe works is that I didn't do this podcast for you. Like, you know, it's not like, it's not like I was like, oh, Libby's been going through all the stuff. I think she needs to learn the lesson about no. expecting nothing and appreciating everything. I was like, that's just something that I saw from my own notes. And I was like, oh, I'll do a podcast on that. And then ta-da, it happened to be one for you, which is wonderful. And hopefully it's one for one of you out there as well. And I appreciate you very, very much, whoever you are. I thank you for listening. I thank you for being with us. If you have any questions, any feedback, please send it to jimmy at jimmyhunt.com or hit me up on Instagram. And I will see you next week. Love you. Goodbye. That was Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. See you next time.